0: So you're presenting um, here at FENS the Presidential Lecture um, on Imaging Perception and uh, Lessons from Pain, Analgesia and Anesthesia. Can you tell us a bit about this, please?
1: Yeah, I was really honoured to be invited to give this lecture. It's an opportunity to Mm. put pain on the platform. It's a really important Mm. uh, clinical problem, but also really interesting neuroscientific problem. So I wanted to bring a sense of that uh, excitement to the audience Mm. and hopefully get people to come into the pain field. Um, For me, because I've worked at the system's end, so actually looking with brain imaging at how the brain produces Mm. the perception of pain, I thought it would be good to focus on how is it we can understand perception generally and Mm. what have we learned from the pain field, which is ultimately um, a very perceptual subjective experience, and how we've been able to understand how does the brain put together a network of activity that gives you a unique experience that says Mm. this thing hurts and how that's modulated um, when you either have analgesic drugs that work or when you are Having an altered pain experience because your mood is altered or your cognitive state is altered, Mm. and then the sort of sort of final stage being when you have maybe an anaesthetic agent and you don't experience any sense of awareness, pain, or even being aware what's going on there in terms of the brain and how have these techniques, neuroimaging, helped us understand perception uh, from that lens of understanding pain.
0: Mm. So as you said, pain is very subjective; it affects us all. Um, There's a few different ways of measuring pain in patients. Many clinician to use things like the McGill um, Pain Questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we could ever reach a point where we have a sort of one standardised measure of pain? Could this ever be a reality? I don't think we'd want that. I mean, mm-hmm. I can see why you'd ask mm-hmm. that question. But pain,
1: as I tried to describe yesterday, is not this unitary thing. It's this mm-hmm. very complex, multi-dimensional. Um, experience and it's very variable even in the same individual Mm. so the trick is to try and capture and understand why that person has that particular pain Mm. that maybe is different in the morning to the afternoon and is certainly different between people and is certainly different between different chronic pain conditions Mm. is a suite of tools which enable us to better understand what's making up that person's pain because then we can better know where to target our therapies so you know developing new ways beyond just asking them to rate it on a 10-point scale Mm. or pick a particular face that describes whether they're happy or sad, looking at indirect measures of physiology, heart rate changes and galvanic skin response changes, uh, breathing rate changes, behavioural observations, these are all things that the good clinician will be using and observing Mm. anyway in the patient. But in the pain research field, we've been developing newer ways of, again, assessing the patient to get a more mechanistic understanding of the underpinning biology that helps explain the pain. So a big push at the moment is to develop things called quantitative sensory testing, where you do a more formal exam looking at threshold sensitivities to cold and heat, looking at mechanical sensitivities and super threshold stimuli to see um, how much pain they feel. So you're developing a more bedside exam, probing and prodding and poking, Mm. that gives you um, some answers that you can then put to a a normal database that can tell you where your patient sits. And that can give you some indication that they've got this set of components driving their pain, Mm. and therefore this will be the better treatment. Now, imaging is not going to be something that I think, you know, we'll be rolling out in the clinics because it's just too expensive and too cumbersome but in small cohorts it can be very helpful for helping validate some of these other tools so what it can do is powerfully prove something and explain something and then the job is to reverse translate that imaging into a questionnaire or a simple bedside measure that the Mm. physician could use but based on solid belief in it because the imaging has given us the answer and that's what we hope to do with a lot of our work
0: Interesting, it's becoming clearer and clearer that pain is always more complex than than we first thought. What do you think have been the most significant breakthroughs in how we assess and measure pain? I think, you know, um, a recognition that it's more complex than we Mm. thought, that it isn't this unitary thing,
1: that it's very non-linear between where you see the damage and what the person feels, Mm. that there's been, um, because we've got all these ways that we can look inside the human body as to where the journey from the receptor that's picking up the signal through to the brain there are these points that can turn it up and turn it down so that's given us a better sense of the complexity of it and the fact that we can't make judgments about somebody's pain when assessing it Mm. based on what we see structurally that they might have a very very different pain report to what you might assess Mm. and see as the amount of pain they should have so that recognition that it's more complex that there are these places where it might go turned up and down um, has been a really key thing over Mm. these past uh, recent years Um, other sort of ways that I think have been big breakthroughs in our understanding we've learned a lot about the actual molecular basis of pain what's actually doing the talking to the things in the environment that hurt us how Mm -hmm. is that being transmitted so patients that sadly don't experience pain who have this congenital sensitivity have taught us a lot about the Mm -hmm. apparatus you need to send those signals into the spinal cord and of course that provides targets for Pharmaceutical companies to go in and develop compounds to now target those same systems. So there's been some really big breakthroughs in our molecular understanding and our broader. Holistic, if you like, understanding mm. of what pain
0: is. It seems to be sort of fitting with the move to sort of patient-centric absolutely um, research and treatment totally as well. completely. So, yeah. looking ahead, what do you think are sort of the biggest outstanding questions or sort of priorities in the next sort of five ten years? Well, basically, to
1: cure it. You know, we need to stop <laughs> yeah. it. We need to help those. You know, one in five patients. That's a huge number of people who have chronic mm. pain devastating condition uh, we need to develop um, and I think that is coming now I have a lot of optimism about what's coming through in the next decade in terms of having understood that new biology targeting it with novel therapies that's the big breakthroughs that we hope are coming so a whole new way of thinking about chronic pain is a disease in its own right with biology that needs to be understood in its own right and targeted in its own right and that is what is coming in this next decade so I'm very optimistic about where the future comes and what the breakthroughs will be and um, right. Even though I work uh, obviously at the perception end and at the brain end, I'm still a very passionate believer that we need to just stop the signals coming in. That's the yeah. odd thing about the pain system is when you damage those nerves out of the periphery, the A delta, which is the sharp pain, and the C, which is the C fibres, which is the throbbing pain, they just, once damaged. Instead of not working, they switch on and mm-hmm. they just keep sending signals in. Mm-hmm. So lots of things go wrong centrally, but if we can just stop the signals coming in, um, that's really a main focus. Mm. So that's what I hope uh, all the work that everybody's uh, working hard to try and
0: achieve will deliver. Brilliant. Thank you very much. You're welcome.